Hey guys, this is Emma, Vivo Barefoot's Head of Sustainability, and I f***ing hate the word sustainability. Join me as I talk to a whole bunch of people way smarter than me about how we're all going to make regeneration the new normal. Hey guys, welcome to the Vivo Barefoot Regeneration broadcast. Our guest today is Laura Storm. She's one of the brains behind the book Regenerative Leadership, which is currently my absolute favorite book, and I've highlighted it from start to finish. And it's a really big part of how Vivo Barefoot has taken on its new regeneration mission. So it's such a pleasure to have you here today, Laura. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Let's start at what regeneration is. I think that's a really great start. So a lot of our our listeners so far have been tuning in and, and, and learning all about what the future looks like in terms of regeneration. And we've spoken a lot about how COVID-19 is affecting um, people at the moment and how it's informing people's vision for the future. So I'd be really interested to hear from you about why regeneration and how you got involved in that in the first place um, and what your vision is for regeneration uh, past this time. Um, so su- super short regeneration is about um, having a mindset of giving more than you take. Um, a longer explanation is that as an organization, you need you need to make sure that your entire ecosystem is thriving. No man is an island. We are not isolated from our ecosystem. And for you to thrive, you need to make sure that both your inner stakeholders, your employees are thriving. You need to make sure that your partners and stakeholders and clients and customers and suppliers are thriving. And you need to make sure that the ecosystems, the natural resources upon which we depend, upon which all life on this planet depend, is thriving as well. So regenerative leadership is an approach to leadership that is addressing those three areas. We need to make sure that we design in a, very, in a way that is aligned with the principles of nature. Circular economy can be one. Um, one suggestion to that. Biomimicry is another area where we mimic patterns and principles and processes from nature in our product design. And then we need to make sure that we create thriving regenerative cultures. It's about how we have, um, how we can make sure that our stakeholder network, that our ecosystem is thriving and full of vitality. It's funny that you um, use that word so much and that we've never met before this podcast because we, um, we use that word very regularly at Vivo Barefoot. I'm not sure how familiar you are with, with Vivo, but we, we came to be through a, a kind of legacy of the Clarks family and our two founders, Galahad and Asher Clark, really embraced that attitude of, of not just kind of surviving on this planet, not just kind of existing and living a mundane or, or padded life, mm. um, but actually really having your senses engaged and, and feeling life. And I, I think it's a really key thing right now in the context of resilience. I think mm. a lot of people are sitting at home at the moment and, and realizing that perhaps running headlong up into this COVID-19 lockdown, you know, they've been quite numb to life, both um, mm. spiritually and personally and professionally and both with their health and, um, and the environment. I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on that. And, and do you, you know, do, are you hopeful that that's shifting now at the moment? 
I have worked in the field of sustainability and climate change my entire life, and I've chosen to be an optimist, so I will continue to be one, um, or else I would be very, very depressed. But um, but yes, I am optimistic that this uh, global pandemic um, and this planetary crisis will also bring with it a lot of good things that, um, I mean, our current structures financial models, economy, a way of doing business. I mean, it was by by no means sustainable and not at all regenerative. So it was a matter of time. Um, it, it could have been an ecological collapse. Um, it ended up being a health crisis that kind of hopefully woke us up a bit. It has never been easier for for us who is beating the drum that everything is interconnected. Um, this is a crisis that is affecting all systems on, on this planet. It's affecting everyone. Um, and it's um, it's still just a small little crisis compared to what it could have been or what it will be if we are finding ourselves in the midst, midst of real, real ecological collapse. It has already begun, um, but it will get worse and worse unless we start to change our behavior and our way of doing business radically. Absolutely. Um, so in that sense, I'm, I'm optimistic that, that it will have woken some people up um, and it will, have, um, it will have shed a light on the fact that our current models and structures are not resilient in any way um, and for us to inbuilt resilience into our business models and our way of living life on this planet, we need to go about things radically differently. It's, it's interesting when you think about that resilience from a business model perspective, because I know on your, um, in one, of your, one of your TED Talks, you speak about the importance of, um, of self-sustainability and about mm. self-love mm. and, and self-care and, and nurturing you know, yourself, and then therefore you're the, you know, you're the best, most efficient, most effective version of yourself then for the system and for society. And um, I think when it comes to resilience, that's really interesting. And I really related to what you were saying about the irony of, almost of, of working in sustainability, but then almost sacrificing mm. all of yourself through that passion, through that drive, through that commitment, and ending up being a kind of burnt out shell. And it's something that we advocate for, particularly in our kids' business. We talk a lot about wanting mm. to get kids muddy, dirty, scratched, mm. you know, get them out in nature. And it's the same with adults as well. We really advocate for um, getting hurt, you know, failing quickly. All of those things are really a huge part of our ethic. And um, do, you, do you feel like that that's definitely something we need to consider in the future? So Homo sapiens is a species that live on this planet. And we are the first species who are in the midst of designing uh, the first ever species suicide. Um, we are also a species that have been living 99% of the time we've been a species on this planet completely in tune with nature. We were part of nature. We saw ourselves as one with nature. We worship nature. Um, and now we have separated ourselves completely, uh, or mostly, most people have, from nature. It's something we only vi visit Sunday afternoon in a park. We spent most of the time in concrete buildings with artificial daylight. And we treat ourselves in a way where we deplete our resources. Um, and we are then going to work in organizations where it's not in any way possible for us to be our full self. Most people feel they have to wear a mask to go to work um, and spend the majority of their life inside a concrete building in artificial daylight, um, feeling they're a part of this um, incredibly competitive um, hierarchy. 
that is often very rooted in fear and uh, an approach to competition that we have all been taught in school. We have all been taught that um, survival of the fittest is the, the fittest is the one who is the most competitive, the loudest, um, the smartest, the strongest. And that is really a misinterpretation of, uh, of Darwin. Um, what he meant was that, that survival of the fittest is the one who's the best able to adapt and fit into changing your environments because change is part of nature. Change happens all the time. And the, and the species that are surviving for the longest are those that are best able to adapt to change. And the way that you become best able to adapt to change is by having really strong relationships. Um, and organizations that are thriving are those that are best able to build really strong relationships. And now back to your point to, um, to sustainability, um, passionate people that are dedicated to uh, transition this world to, to become more sustainable um, are also those that are the most burned out people I've ever come across mm-hmm. um, because they've not been taught how to also... Um, kind of nourish their inner resources it's we are so ingrained in a culture where we haven't been taught how to how to thrive how to flourish as human beings um, we have all been taught that that life is this one long competitive game to the top um, and that you have to um, shed everything that has to do with emotions and intuition and um, and and go by this rule book of society that we've been taught since we were very small is the way to a successful life. Um, but we live in a world where people have never been more depressed and anxious and fearful and, um, and sad than we are today. And for us, also in the space of sustainability, to really address this, we need a more holistic approach to what it means to be sustainable, what it means to live a regenerative life. Um, and, and that's where your point uh, comes in, that, that it's so incredibly important that the pioneers that are, that are trailblazing this transformation, it's paramount that we feel good that we nourish ourselves and that we know how to teach our children how to nourish themselves and how to feel good. Does yeah, that make sense? It totally makes sense. There's so many things I want to unpack in there and I almost feel like I'm having a little bit of a kind of self-care session now with you. <laughs> I think it, sustainability has traditionally been such a lonely space mm-hmm. um, and it's always been one of those things where you were always this person over in the corner somewhat hippie, but a lot of the time just a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ironically always hired by companies, but then really asked to, to be stifled um, or forced to be stifled in many ways. And I think it's interesting to see the shift that I know you describe a lot in your book around, you know, more and more people getting into this space. And, and particularly at Vivo, you know, we took on a new strategy a few months ago now, which has your ethic, your guidance and your wisdom from the regenerative leadership book inbuilt into the middle of it. Um, and we've, we've massively taken our foundations around indigenous thinking mm. um, and the importance of, of connecting with nature that Vivo has just always had at its heart. We meshed it all together and we've had a series of, I hate the word meeting, but let's say coming together for the mm. last few weeks while we've all been in lockdown around a lot of the things that we're trying to achieve. And now every single person in the business is ahead of sustainability. And that is such a fascinating transition to see. Mm-hmm. And I think it's both uh, people being able to be more empathetic to each other, 
along with, um, again, something you say around siloed thinking as a thing of the Mm. past, Mm. um, coming to that more holistic, more interconnected way of thinking, as well as just a desire now for for people to connect with the definition of the future, as opposed to thinking that someone else was going to fix that problem or or come up with all the answers. They're now the master of that creation. And I think that that's super empowering and um, I want to I want to talk about something that I'm sure you're familiar with that Derek Jensen writes. It's um it's called Beyond Hope, and it talks about giving up on false hope, which is is to the point around um you know not waiting for someone else to fix these ecological or these social problems or make you happier. Really about taking that ownership over that. And Derek Jensen's thing for me was I guess my turning point in my career where I went you know what. This isn't about waiting for the industry to fix these problems. This isn't about joining a brand that has it all figured out. You know, it's about just waking up every morning and taking action and being happy that I started at zero at the start of the day and I got to level 10. And I I never, you know, I think a lot of the problem that people in this space make is coming to work with a level of expectation and then that bucket being taken away from and people have that essence of themselves that um, energy, that life taken away from them. Whereas I just feel like I'm, what I do and how I do it and a lot of the people around me do it is wake up every morning and just be stoked that we've, you know, we had that conversation or we made that win or, or you know, we ke- overcame that problem together. Do you find that there's a shift now in, in culture in terms of that? I think it's still too early to say, um, but but I hope that this a global pandemic, which has forced us all to be at home with our family has also created the space to reflect around. So when shit hits the fan and it can happen um, out of the blue, mm-hmm. when shit hits the fan, then are you, are you in true alignment with who you really are? And have you catered to your own little nest at home? And I think many people going through this um, challenge together, having to be facing our dearest and loved ones 24-7 suddenly. Uh, we have been used to being separate from for most of the day and suddenly we are spending time with our, more time with our kids and partner than we ever have. And it's staring, it's staring us in the eye how how we have truly designed our life and whether we are whether we feel that we live a life aligned to our core values um, and i think part to what i said before that we have we live in a culture where we've been trained to think a certain way and to believe that uh, going through life and for us to create a truly regenerative culture and society we need to turn that mindset around and it starts with ourselves. and i think the blessing in disguise going through the corona pandemic um has been that it's um that has forced many people to look themselves in the eye and reflect around where they are in their life what kind of life were they actually living where the noise of of normal life um has been so loud that we haven't been able to hear what's most essential um, and the, the, the slower pace and the quieter times have enabled m- many people, not all, of course, many people to see new dimensions. 
And I think that that is fascinating, but it's also incredibly um, overwhelming and daunting. Um, and because it's it's the death of what we've been used to, mm, and yeah. we are trained to believe that death is scary, um, and it's something to avoid. So it's triggering many of us um, because we are living through a death of what was, and we are also in the midst of of starting to redesign um, the new, not knowing exactly what that might feel, taste, look like. Um, but more and more people are gathering around, building and designing a new paradigm because the current one is will not make this species survive. I want to talk about that point on on how we approach death because it it is actually also something that Derek Jensen covers in in his piece mm-hmm. Beyond Hope and and I um, it's not something I I share widely but I had an experience when I was a very young um, where my dad's brother. Uh, my uncle, unfortunately, was exposed to toxic chemicals. Um, my my dad's family grew up in, in Central Australia and they were exposed to the nuclear testing at Marilingo when they were young. And so my dad's brother, unfortunately, um, developed a very progressive form of diabetes and, and he passed away very suddenly when he was 40 years old. And he, was, he actually tru- truly taught me the value of nature he taught me how to um, grow my own vegetables and and to eat the apple even if it had a worm in the middle of it. And um, mm. his whole ethic on life was snatched away from me when I was only 13 years old. And I think that in some ways um, that was such a transformational experience for me because I just realized that every single day, and it sounds so cliche, but every single day I woke up from then, I was just lucky, just mm. so lucky to have that day. Um, and I don't think I've ever, you know, I don't think I've ever wasted it. And I think that's probably where a lot of my resilience comes from. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, to your point, I think you've got to have that in, in this um, in this space. And how do we get to this more educational-led leadership where we're encouraging people to think in systems and to, you know, to take leadership and, and to step up? And you work a lot with in um, in your masterclasses, right? With leaders of organizations. Mm, so mm. how do you how do you teach that lesson? How do you encourage people to embrace that? It of course depends on their challenges, but 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 a way to start, um, and I'm saying this in a way so that the listener could actually start right away doing that. So a way to start um, building a more life affirming culture is is first to start mapping your your ecosystem. So map everything, um, natural resources as well as clients and family and partners and everything that, um, that is alive. Map that down in an, in an ecosystem. You could put your, uh, the external elements to the left-hand side and the internal elements to the right-hand side um, and then start to map the interconnections between them um, and then start coloring whether you feel that area in your life is regenerative and thriving and full of vitality or whether it's degenerative and stagnant and draining your energy. You, can, you could choose a darker color for, for those areas and maybe more vibrant colors for those that are thriving. Um, and, and then you will have a visual image of, um, of, of your life in many ways. And you could then start to address each area that you feel is degenerative and wearing you down. 
One example that we also have in the book um, is we were working with a lady who was very, very successful and she, and she was a success by society standards, but she felt miserable. Um, and when she started to, to plot down her ecosystem and get a visual understanding of her life, um, and not by a, a, a matrix or a list to check, but, but, but how are my, my systems that I interact with on a daily basis, are they aligned with my values or are they not? Part of the reason she was feeling miserable was that she worked all the time and she did not have time. It's very, very, it's very simple, but, but, but in a textbook example of how not to build a, a thriving life, that she was not taking time to do all the things that brought her joy and that improved her, um, her, her emotional and mental well-being, um, that she lived a life that was draining her energy because she did not focus on restoring her her creative chambers, her inner uh, creative chambers, um, and that made her miserable. So it can it can be as simple as that. It can also be um, that you are beating the drum of of a sustainable lifestyle, but 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 really, where you vote with your money um, is not always um, showing that and. And really, when you start mapping your ecosystem and how all your actions are influencing so many different systems, um, it can get you an insight into where to start and what to change. Um, so that would be one suggestion. If you, are the, if you are a business leader and are interested in running a more regenerative organization, um, we have in the book uh, a DNA analysis wheel that you can start by asking yourself and your key partners in your organization some very simple questions. And that is showing you um, where your current business model is not regenerative and where to start to prioritize your effort. And we have included in the book a few suggestions to where to start. Was that an answer? Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think it's really practical, um, pragmatic advice, and and exactly why we're having these conversations. But I, I think it's also, I mean, if if I if I can just um, unpack it a, a bit, when we say life affirming, many people are like, "What do you mean by life affirming?" Mm. Um, and life affirming means that you that you act, you produce, you lead um, on principles that are conducive to life which means that every decision you, you, you make has prioritized vitality across your system. It's, it also means that um, you as a regenerative leader learn to understand how uh, natural systems thrive. We are a part of nature. Um, we are a part of the magnificent ecosystems on this planet. And we need to understand how to design with the logic of life instead of going against it, which we have done for the past decades. So the logic of life is understanding how ecosystems thrive. They thrive through collaboration and strong relationship. They thrive by understanding that life is a cyclical process. So instead of falsely believing you can constantly be in full spring, bloom, summer, you need to understand that, that every, every 
living element needs to go through the re- the regenerative process of autumn and winter. We need that deep restorative winter. And we can design our working days in a way where we actually cater to that, where we cater to making sure that we take those incredibly important breaks. And that's what needed for us to thrive and as 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 creative human human beings. Um, we also need to understand that everything is constantly changing all the time and we need to be okay with that. Control is an illusion. There's no control in nature. You adapt and you evolve and you and you learn to go with the flow. Yeah, I, I can totally relate to that. I think I want to finish by asking a question around, um, it's a fairly unorthodox question, but I guess for a long time sustainability has been, uh, I mean, yes, it definitely has initiated action and momentum. Mm-hmm. But it's really sad to see it now being rebranded and, and brutalized and, and, and used for commercial gain and, and to support the um, destruction that we talk about as our driving force, um, you know, for this change. How do you feel about regeneration? And is it something that you think about in terms of how that word might potentially be perceived or adapted and used? Yeah, and that there's, of course, the risk of it being um, watered down and suddenly doesn't really mean anything. Um, and that's why regenerative practitioners, the ones that I've come across, are quite serious about what it, what it actually means and that it's multidimensional. And to some extent, it, it, it's, it also has a, a spiritual component. It really is about um, a new level of consciousness uh, in the book, we talk about uh, uh, the regenerative leadership consciousness. Um, it's it's not rigid. It's not just implementing um, or checking off the box of now we have um, implemented SDG five, seven, and eight. It's oh, yeah. it's more than that. It's uh, it's a whole new mindset. Um, and because it's thankfully gaining traction, there is the risk of marketeers and um, fancy people coming in and watering down the word. Um, I and many others will do our best to to that not happening, but it's again, it's not in our control. So the best thing we can do is to communicate widely. Um, what regeneration really means, what is the essence of the word, and what does it mean for us to step up as regenerative stewards of this planet? That's really wonderful to hear, and hopefully we'll do that justice. You know, we'll be in touch, and uh, it's really such a pleasure to hear from you. And if people want to hear more about um, your TED Talks or what you're doing with your Regenerators Network or the book, where can they go? They can either go to to my own personal homepage or they can go to regenerators.co i would i would recommend just starting at regenerators.co and there's a lot of interesting blogs and uh, ideas already there and um and they can use the google machine if they want to know more (laughs) wonderful (laughs) thanks laura thanks for taking the time appreciate it thank you so much cheers bye well that's it for today If you managed to get the entire way through this podcast without getting really annoyed by my bloody Australian accent, you deserve an award. For more information and to listen to the other episodes, go to vivobarefoot.com. See you later.